Last Sunday we talked about I Connect, and next Sunday we're going to talk about I Invite, but this morning we're going to talk about I Serve, and uh, we hope you're challenged in that area. And uh, wow, what a great weekend. Thank all of you that helped us yesterday at the Civic Center. Fantastic day with lots and lots and lots of invitations. Uh, Pastor Tony is here in body, uh, sitting there, but his spirit and soul is still in the bed this morning. He is, if you see him nod off, he, he had a long, long day yesterday, eight straight hours of shaking hands and inviting folks. And uh, our good brother told me that uh, he met a lot of Hispanic folks as well. And he was able to share with them, come to New Hope, we have Spanish translation for you. So a lot of good things have happened, exciting. How many of you are glad the Olympics are on? You don't have to watch the news. Yeah. <laughs> well, you need a break from that news stuff, folks, uh, whether it's the Olympics or whether you just turn the thing off. It sure does help to, to get away from all the bad news. I'm glad we have Sunday because we can talk about the good news, which is what the gospel is. It's the good news of Jesus Christ. I want to take for a text today, Mark chapter 10 and verse 45, and then we'll kind of springboard off of that. The Lord Jesus spoke these words. He said, for the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He gives us the purpose of of his coming. Several years ago, many years ago, actually, uh, General William Booth, who was the founder and leader of the Salvation Army for so many years, he was having, he called the leaders in from all over the world, and they met in a strategic location. I can't remember exactly where it was, but they were there for him to have a few days of inspiration and, and challenge for them to, to continue to do the work of the Salvation Army around the world. Something happened, his transportation, and he was delayed and could not get there for the first session. So he sent them a telegram. Told you, you would realize how long ago it was. Um, Anybody in here ever sent a telegram? Raise your hand. Anybody? anybody, Look here. We got a couple people back there who sent a telegram. After church... You can ask them what a telegram is. <laughs> most, uh, most of you don't even know. I mean, it was, it was uh, well, <laughs> when you sent a telegram, you, you paid so much per letter. So um, he, he restrained it to one word. He just wanted to send one word that would kick off their meeting and challenge them and motivate them. And here is the word that he sent. We're going to put it on the screen. Others. Turn to your neighbor and say others. Others. He just, when when the leadership gathered around and opened that telegram, that's what they saw. Others. Boy, it'll change the way you think. I want to tell you folks, we are saved to serve, not to be served. We are saved to serve. I want to start off by giving you the greatest example of a servant in all of the world in the history of mankind, and that's our Lord Jesus himself. Jesus is our greatest example when it comes to service. 
Let me give you an Old Testament prophecy about the coming of our Lord Jesus. Isaiah, the great messianic prophet of the Old Testament said, Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled and be very high. Just as many were astonished at you, so his visage was marred more than any man and his form more than the sons of man. Boy, what a difference in a king that's coming. He's going to be exalted, but what you're not expecting in that same verse is for Isaiah to talk about how he's going to suffer. In fact, he said, the Lord Jesus is going to suffer to such a degree that you wouldn't even be able to recognize him if you didn't know who he was when he was hanging on the cross. He was beaten that badly in Pilate's judgment hall. The fact is, folks, when Jesus Christ left the jewel-decked throne of glory, remember he's God the Son. He's a, he, he, is, he is God who came to this earth and, and gave himself for us, offered himself, served us. He said in his own words in the text that I use, the Son of Man didn't come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And the many he's talking about is whosoever will, whoever will accept him. The ransom's no good if you don't accept it. But Jesus gave himself for each and every one of us. Now, with that in mind, folks, do you realize what a great debt of gratitude that we owe to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Let me give you a New Testament passage. Luke chapter 22, verse 27. For who is greater, Jesus said, he who sits at the table or he who serves? Is it not he who sits at the table? And yet I am among you as one who serves. Wow. Again, think of this. We're talking about the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And when you think of kings on this earth, they're always being served. They have entourages that follow them around. They have security detail for their protection. They have people that will fix their food and, and, and provide it for them. They're always being served. But here is a king that's above any earthly king. Here is the king of kings and the Lord of lords who comes to this earth and says, I didn't come for you to wait on me. I came to serve you. A complete reversal of what we think about in the natural and the normal in this life and, and in the, the setup of society. Jesus came to us as a servant. Um, there's, there are many good reasons why each of us should desire to serve or to be a servant. And I'm going to list just two or three very quickly here. I'm not going to spend a lot of time trying to exhaust this subject. I just want to challenge you today to step up and make yourself available and learn to enjoy life on another dimension. First of all, serving keeps your focus outward. When, when, you're, when you're serving, when you're doing something to help somebody else, it helps you to, to get your thinking outside of yourself. The worst thing that can happen to any of us 
is for us to become so self-absorbed with what we're going through that we can't think of anybody or anything except ourselves and our own troubles. Now, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not trying to minimize in any way what you may be going through. There may be some of you in this room today that are going through the most difficult period of your entire life. You may be struggling in a way that you have never before struggled. You, you, I don't know what you're going through. And I'm, again, I'm not trying to minimize that. In fact, in the body of Christ, one of the things we have to understand is when one suffers, we all suffer. And there is a place for sympathy and there is a place for empathy. There is a place for help. There is a place where we bear one another's burdens and we pray one for another. All of that's part of it. But listen, if you get so caught up in what you're going through and what you're dealing with that you can't think of anybody or anything but yourself, it, it, will, it will continue to bring you down. It will push you further down. You, you got to get outside of yourself. And serving helps to bring that focus to somebody else. You, you, I know people that are homebound. They can't even get out and come to church on Sunday. And yet some of those folks are the most outward focused people in the world. They become intercessors and prayer warriors and they're concerned about folks and they're reaching out to folks and they're calling folks and in some cases sending cards to folks. They have a whole ministry and it helps keep life doable for them. Secondly, serving keeps you active in a positive way. When you're reaching outside of yourself, when you're doing something for somebody else, it creates a more positive attitude and atmosphere. And thirdly, serving has got many, many, many rewards. There's one thing I love about serving Jesus is that he promised that anytime you do anything for his glory, you will not lose your reward. There is a great judgment of rewards ahead of us. Did you know that? Did you know that someday all of us who know the Lord as our personal Savior, we're going to stand before a judgment bar? And it's not a judgment bar to condemn us to hell or give us a green light into heaven. No, no, no. That was taken care of at Calvary. Can you say amen? That was the judgment bar of your sins. That's where your sins were washed away and your name was written on the Lamb's book of life. For a born-again believer, there's no judgment as to whether you go to heaven or hell. The judgment that we're going to stand before is a judgment of rewards where God is going to try all of our works to see whether we did them for him or we did them for ourselves. If we did them for ourselves, we've already got our reward. But if we did them for him, Jesus said, you can't even give a cup of cold water in my name and lose your reward. In other words, he's keeping a good record of everything that we do for his glory. Can somebody say amen? amen. I've given you this little acronym before, but you know, one of the things that I think everybody needs, and I know they do because the scripture says the joy of the Lord's your strength. We need joy. And, and an acronym for joy is Jesus first, others next, and yourself last. 
If you get that mentality, if you start thinking that way, Lord Jesus, I want to serve you and bless you. You've done so much for me. You gave yourself for me. You gave your life for me. You paid a debt that I owed and I could not pay. And I give you my life. I just want to worship you. If you put Jesus first and then you say, how can I share that in some meaningful way with somebody else? You put others next. And then you think about your own self. You'll have joy. And the joy of the Lord is unspeakable and full of glory. Can somebody say amen? amen? Let me give you some scripture. First of all, collectively, Psalms 144 and 15 says, Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. We're a happy church when he is Lord. And if he is Lord, we're serving him. And we're serving his kingdom. Amen? Secondly, individually, Proverbs 14 and 2, 21 says, he who has mercy on the poor, happy is he. Amen. He who has mercy on the poor, happy is he. I don't know exactly what there is about it, but there is just something about serving and blessing others that brings a joy and a peace in one's own heart and one's own life. Let me take you to John chapter 13, verses 15 to 17. This is what Jesus said. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. Neither is he that sent greater as he that sent him. If you know these things, look at that last line there. If you know these things, Happy are you if you do them. How many want some joy today? Some real joy, amen? He said, happy are you if you'll do these things. In other words, if you'll follow the example of Jesus, if you'll become a servant, even in leadership, servant leadership is what Jesus taught us. It's a wonderful, wonderful experience. And third and finally, and we're going to pray in a few minutes here, but serving others is a kingdom principle that brings honor to the king. Serving others is a kingdom principle that always brings honor to the king. When we serve one another, we're bringing honor to King Jesus himself. I, I shared a story with you back in, I think, November of last year about a Wycliffe Bible translator by the name of Doug Milan. And he and his wife went to a, um, a, a village in Brazil. And it, the, the residents of that village were all Indians. And um, when, they, when they went there, they felt a burden for those people. And they went there to be a blessing to them. But they ran into some serious resistance right off the, right off the bat. They had no scripture in their language, and so Doug and his wife wanted to learn the language so they could translate the scripture where they would have the Bible, the Word of God, uh, that, that they could be fed with. But when they got there, they started referring to Doug. They didn't call him by his name. When they saw him, they'd say, the white man. And it had a very negative connotation when he said, the white man. And what they didn't realize, but they found out later when they did a little background study, there had been white men come to that village before, but the white men that came to that village were not Christian men. They were there trading 
and they were exploiting the people. They were taking advantage of them. They were cheating them. They were, they were harsh with them, and they, uh, it, it left a very bad taste in their mouth. So when they saw the Doug, they'd always say, there's the white man. Well, later on, as Doug and his wife began to to learn the language and live with the village people and do good deeds and bless them. Uh, after a while, some of them started referring to Doug as the, the respectable white man, <laughs> you know, as opposed to all other white men, <laughs> the respectable white man. There, there is one. There's We've, we've found one, Doug, he, he'll treat you right. Don't mess with any other white men, but, but Doug, he'll treat you right. The respectable white men. But later on, as they begin to bring medicines and, and other supplies, and they begin to, to, to bring healing to them and, and reaching out to them with compassion and help, after a while, they took him to a whole nother level. They started referring to him as the white Indian the white Indian. In other words, now he's accepted. You're one of us. But then one day, one of the in, young Indian warriors came in and he'd broken his foot and, and he was all filthy and dirty from where he had drug himself through mud holes and, and, and the, the bushes to get to, to where they were, to, hoping they could do something for that broken foot. And some of the other Indians gathered around to see what he would do. And Doug took a basin of water and got down on his knees and started washing that dirty foot of that Indian. And then in administering some medication and, and, and setting it and tying it where it would stay stable. And, and as, they, as they watched this, they started saying to one another, whoever heard of such a thing, a white man washing an Indian's foot. And from that moment forward, they always referred to Doug as the man of God, the man that God sent to us. Do you see how like the Lord Jesus Doug was? You remember that night before our Lord Jesus was crucified? He stood up from the table and he girded himself with a towel and he took a basin of water and he got down on his knees and he started washing the feet of his disciples. They were so awestruck that I guess you'd call it dumbfounded. They couldn't even speak. At least no one until he got to Simon Peter and Simon Peter never seemed to have any problem speaking, so he said, no, you'll never wash my feet. No, siree, not you, not, nope, I, reckon, I know who you are. You're the master. You're my Lord and master. You'll never wash my feet. Jesus said, well, Simon, if that's the way you want it, <clears throat> but if I can't wash your feet, you've got no part with me. And he said, oh, my goodness, well, then wash my head and shampoo my hair and wash my hands <laughs> Jesus said, no, 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 son, you got it all. You don't understand. I don't need to shampoo your hair. I don't need to wash your hands. You wash your hands when you come in. We've been eating. I'm showing you a new concept of leadership, and it's servant leadership. 
I come to serve, and now I want you guys to do the same thing. I want you to learn a new concept. You won't find this in the other religions that, that are prevalent right now. Pharisees and Sadducees and scribes and elders and priests and all those guys, they walk around with their nose in the air and they think they're better than anybody else. But it's not going to be so in my kingdom. I come, I come to bring the good news that we're all on level ground. And, and as your Lord and Savior, I'm going to bow down and wash your feet and I'm going to serve you. And now I want you to do the exact same thing. We're never more like Jesus than when we're on our knees serving somebody else. Can somebody say amen? Matthew 25 and 40 says, and the king will answer and say to them, assuredly I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these my brethren, you did it to me. If you want to know how you can serve the Lord Jesus, what you can do for Jesus, do something to somebody that can't repay. Amen. Jesus said to his disciples one time, he said, I, a lot of you, you know, you bless people that can bless you back. He said, what's the big deal with that? Publicans and sinners do that. Find somebody that can't bless you back and bless them. Many years ago, when we were down on Crawford Avenue and we were trying to get the church to grow, and Faye and I literally knocked on doors all over Harrisburg and invited people. We, we couldn't find anything that seemed to work. We tried and tried. We did this. We did that. We'd try this program, that program. We just couldn't seem to, to break into that neighborhood and, and, and have any positive results until we finally realized that we could get to those folks by getting to their kids. We started blessing their kids. Started out on Saturday morning. This was way back before all of the media stuff that kids have today. Faye would go down to the church early on Saturday morning. She'd start popping popcorn and fixing Cokes. And I'd go down to the library and pick up a projector and a, some films. And we'd come back and show cartoons and we had big signs out that said, free movie and free Coke Saturday morning at Crawford Avenue. And the kids from the neighborhood would start coming in and flocking in. And we started with that. And later on, we started a bus ministry so that the kids, a lot of them didn't have transportation to get to our church. And we had one little kid on the bus that had, had a colostomy and, and he was an energetic little kid and he would forget about his limitations and Sometimes he'd get to play and get carried away and, and, and that colostomy bag would come loose and, and, and it would mess up his clothes and you know, kids would just run away from him because he smelled bad. It was horrible. My wife would take that little boy and, and wash him up and change him and, and get him situated and we'd wash his clothes. and We had a, we had a doctor's wife that worked to children's church one Sunday and saw my wife do that. And she went to her and said, my goodness, what are you doing? You're the 
pastor's wife. Why in the world? Would you, there, there's plenty of other people that can do that. Why would you? Why, why would you do that for that little boy? My wife's response was, you know, Scripture says, when you, what you do to the least of these little ones you're doing to me. And she said, furthermore, I believe in God's law of sowing and reaping. And I just believe that what I do for others, God will bless me with. She said, I don't know. These, this child doesn't have any parents here. There may be a time when my children are away from me and they need some mercy and they need some grace and they need some help and they need somebody to do for them what they can't do for themselves. I believe if I'll help this child that God will look out there in the future and will help mine. Amen. Don't you love that program in the Word? God's law of sowing and reaping? Oh, yeah, yeah. Do you, do you realize, folks, that you're not only ministering to the Lord Jesus when you bless those who can't help themselves or those who cannot repay you, you are also sowing seed that will come back to you somewhere in your future. And I can promise you if you live long enough in this world, there's going to come a day, a time somewhere in your life where you're going to need somebody to reach out to you. Amen. Some of us have already been there. How many, how many of you are thankful for somebody that reached out to you in your time of need, are you? Give God praise for that. Thank the Lord. Amen. 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 Nathan Schaefer wrote a little, little piece, kind of a poetic piece that I read, and, and it really spoke to me. He said, at the close of life, the question will not be how much have you got, but how much have you given? At the close of your life, the question will not be how much have you won, but how much have you done? At the close of your life, the question will not be how much have you saved, but how much have you sacrificed? At the close of your life, the question will not be how much were you honored, but how much have you served? How much have you served? You know, in the book of Revelations, John goes through church history with a letter to the seven churches in Asia that represent different periods of church history. And when he comes to the Laodicean age, which many Bible scholars believe is the age that we're living in right now, and he gives an overview of the church world in this day and in this time before the coming of the Lord, Jesus said of that church age, I've checked you out. I wish you were cold or hot, but because you're lukewarm, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. Some have referred to it as the church that makes God sick. Now, let, let, me, let me tell you what, and I, I don't want to just get on the negative side, but, I, but I've got to tell you the truth this morning. When God looks at this church age, he, he doesn't say, like he said to some of the others, you know, your, your doctrine's false. No, they were okay doctrinally. 
He didn't say you're immoral and ungodly and sinful. No, pretty well okay with that. He just said, you're lukewarm. You just, you just, you have sat here so long until you've just blended in and kind of taken on the atmosphere of the whole world around you. You know, you ever ever come in tired and really been working? Maybe your muscles are sore and you you decide, I'm just going to take a hot bath. I'm just going to I'm just going to get in the bathtub with the hot water and I'm just going to, I'm just going to sit there for a little while and just, just relax. And, and, (laughs) but you know what happens to you when you're sitting there in that nice hot bathtub full of good hot water? If you sit there long enough, it starts cooling down. You don't have to cut on the cold water. It just, because there's nothing going on, it just eventually, it becomes what we call room temperature. Whatever that temperature is, it just becomes room temperature. So sometimes I get a, I get a bottle of water out of, the, out of the refrigerator back there. Or sometimes they'll put one up in the freezer. Boy, don't you like it when it's really cold. And, but this one's been sitting out all night. You know what it is? It's lukewarm. It, it's room temperature. Now, I, that's the way I need it up here because it's not good for your throat to, if you're exercising your throat to drink something cold. That's not good for it. So it's better to be room temperature. I don't particularly care for room temperature, but, but it, it's better for you that way. But it got to be room temperature by just sitting here doing nothing. And the church of Laodicea became lukewarm by just sitting there doing nothing. A world around them dying and going to hell. And they were just sitting there doing nothing. I heard a preacher tell about a a church in India, Brother George. It was up in close to where a lot of your work is. in, In a particular town where it was very heavy Muslim population. And they'd tried to run the Christians out, and they had they burned down most of their churches, all of their churches but one, and uh, had run most of the Christians out, except the members of this one church. And this one church was sitting there, cross, steeple, everything, just. Uh, and a guy that was going in there to try to learn more about the area, he asked his guy, said. What about this church? I, I thought there was religious persecution. Here's a church, obviously a Christian church, got the cross on it and everything. He said, oh, they don't bother that church because that church doesn't evangelize. That church doesn't try to reach anybody. That church just comes in and does its little thing on Sunday morning, and then they all go back home. They're not a threat to anybody's religion. no. They're not rescuing anybody from hell. They're not taking anybody to heaven. They're not telling anybody the good news. Oh, I pray with everything that's in me this morning that the indictment against new hope will not be that we were lukewarm, 
But I trust that God will look at, the, at us and say, I've, I've, I've looked at you and I've seen your works and you're giving to the poor and you're giving to missions and you're, you're, you're going to the bridge and you're helping the homeless and you're feeding those that can't help themselves and you're, you're, your doors are open to everybody and there's a welcome to come in. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter what race, creed, or color you are. It doesn't matter anything, anything except we want to tell you the good news that Jesus came to give his life for you so that you can have eternal life. It's all about service. I want you to stand with me this morning and I want you to pick up that little card, the, the small one, not the one that tells about all the different, I think they said, what, 18 different ministries, but the little card that just says, think five and says, sign up to serve. I want you to just hold that, if you will, for just a few moments. And I want the prayer team, all of our prayer team leaders, any small group leaders that we have in here, any staff members or board members, come, come and help us with prayer today. You know, at the end of most of our Sunday services, we give you an opportunity to come forward and pray. And this is a very special time Great things happen at this altar when we come and talk to the Lord. And we do that because in a crowd like this, there are needs of all kinds. There's probably some of you standing here today, you've never made a real commitment of your life to the Lord Jesus. If you died today, you don't know for sure whether you'd go to heaven or not. You need to come and give your heart to Jesus today. And so I hope you will come during this time. We welcome you to come. There's some of you that are standing here today and you just, you'll say, preacher, I have to admit it. I'm, <laughs> I've grown cold and indifferent. At best, I'm probably lukewarm. I'm not really on fire for God. I need to come this morning, talk to the Lord about my situation and ask the Lord to let me renew my covenant vows and really get on fire for the Lord. Some of you are standing here with physical needs you need healing. Your situation, you're struggling in your body. You're, you're fighting a disease or you're, you're, you're fighting a, a problem in your health. And you need to come today and let us agree with you, pray for you, and ask the Lord to, to heal you. We still believe in divine healing. We got, we've got many testimonies in our church body of people who've been miraculously healed and we want to see that condition. Some of you need to come for that. Some of you need to come because you have financial needs. You need the Lord to help you. Some of you have relational needs. You need the Lord to help you. I've talked to people this very day whose families are in trouble. You need the help of the Lord. You need to come and pray. There's some of you standing here right now with this little card. And you'll say, preacher, I, I really don't know. I really don't know where I ought to try to serve. I want to challenge you this morning to just bring that little card and come forward. Maybe you won't need somebody to pray with you. Maybe you just want to talk to the Lord, but just bring that little card and come forward and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart about where he would like for you to serve. The Lord knows where we need to serve. The Lord knows. 
Jack Haynes, who has spoken here several times. He has a great church in, in Australia. His church gives a million dollars a year to missions. It's a, one of the great mission churches in the body of Christ today. Jack Haynes was serving and had served for a number of years and was very happy as an associate pastor in Yuma, Arizona. He had just bought, he and his wife had just bought their first house. They'd only lived in it a couple months, the first house they'd ever owned themselves. But the Lord spoke to them about Australia. And they sold everything and went with only what they could pack in a few duffel bags. Knew nothing about Australia. But they followed the call of the Lord. And the rest is history. God has used them to build a marvelous work for the Lord. You see, what I'm trying to say to you is the Holy Spirit knows exactly where God wants you to serve. And by the way, on our, on, on our semester thing, that means you're only signing up for five months. You're not locked in for the rest of your life. You don't have to be embarrassed if you get in something and say, well, this really doesn't fit me. You can, you can, you can, you can try something else. See if that fits better. Some of you may have been working for the last five months and, and you, you feel burned out. You don't, you don't have to be embarrassed or anything if you say, I feel like I need a break. There are many of you that said, you know, I've thought about these different ministries. Maybe you've thought about the bridge. Like, Boy, I, I wonder what it's like that. Why, why, don't you, why don't you offer to serve? There's a place for you to serve. Why don't you try it for a few months and see? It, it won't take that much of your time. One, one Saturday a month or two Saturdays a month or however you, you want to work it, they'll work with you. All of our ministries are like that. But all of us need to be serving God somewhere it, it will bring joy to your experience. It'll, it, oh, it'll, it'll take your focus off yourself and on to somebody else. You'll be, you'll be ministering to the Lord Jesus. You'll be laying up treasures in heaven. The altar's open. I want you to come. Some have already come. Come on, come on. Whatever your need is this morning. If, if you're standing here and say, Preacher, I'm not sure about, my, I'm just going to walk down here with my card and say, Lord, would you direct me? Would you speak to me? If God doesn't speak to you, it's okay. It's okay. Maybe it's not time. But, but ask the Lord what he would have you to do. Ask the Lord what he'd have you to do. Ask the Lord to give you wisdom and direction. God bless you. The altar's open. Respond as you feel led.